0: People find it a little hard to get out of their like comfort zone and what they're used to, the traditional, you know, serving style. But when we set out to do this restaurant, we were very clear on what we wanted to do was that we wanted to sort of give Nigerian food a morning take.
1: Hello and welcome to the experience pod. My name is Dr. Dabola Oladosu. The Experience Pod is a 30-minute, one-on-one, interviewer-led podcast that discusses the adoption and utilization of relevant emerging technologies and trends for impact-oriented professionals, researchers, developers, and students who demand realistic and thought-provoking perspectives on the opportunities and challenges presented by these phenomena in a unique environment. Restaurants, weather, quick service, or formal dining form a major part of any country's business landscape. According to Smidan, accommodation and food services make up 6% of Nigeria's 41 million micro, small, and medium enterprises. With the food and hospitality sectors being one of the major casualties of the pandemic, restaurants are being forced to innovate in new ways to continue to provide value for customers. On today's episode, we're super excited to be joined by two founders whose restaurants have made names for their creativity and customer experience. We welcome Reni Folawiyo, founder of Alara, which houses the restaurant Nok, and chef Tolu Erobogo, founder and executive chef at Chef Eros & Co, which includes the restaurant Ili Eros, to share their thoughts on innovation in Nigeria's restaurant industry. Welcome, Reni and Tolu, and thanks for joining us today.
2: Happy to be here.
1: Yay, thank you. So we'll just get right into it. For those who might not have heard of your work, could you please briefly introduce yourself and give a brief description of your restaurants? I'll start with you, Rennie.
2: Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here, as I said before. Knock by Alara is a contemporary African restaurant, an extension of the Alara concept, which celebrates and elevates all aspects of African lifestyle. We seek to redefine African luxury for ourselves as well as the rest of the world. We serve African classics and we present it in a contemporary setting. And we do as much as we can to preserve
1: the heart and soul and essence of our traditional food. Sounds fancy. Tolu, do you want to tell us about your restaurant?
0: Yeah, my name is Tolu Eros. I'm the founder and executive chef at Eros & Co, which houses Ilay Eros. Ilay Eros is an authentic Nigerian restaurant with a modern twist. Uh, ethos is to give people an unforgettable corner experience using Nigerian flavors with international influences, which are inspired by travel, uh, local ingredients, and just African heritage.
1: Great. So like you both just described, both of your restaurants are really looking to rework and reimagine Nigerian and African cuisine. What has your experience been like in striking the balance between authenticity and innovation for your diners? Um, Reni, you and I were talking a bit about this earlier, so maybe I'll let you get started on on that as well.
2: I mean, yes, like I said before, we do want to introduce innovation into a traditional food, to find a way to connect newness and innovation to our traditional food. And so that we can be sort of at the forefront on the contemporary discussion of, of food today. Uh-huh. And this is what we want to do. And we do try, we sort of research new flavors. We find ways to present traditional dishes with using new flavors, using, you know. But as I said to you before, we're very nostalgic people we find that our customers are very nostalgic they want things a certain way and when it's too different it puts them off Mm -mm. so we find that there's some dishes like we're talking about abula which people want in a certain way and they will only have in a certain way Mm -hmm. and other dishes that we can be innovative with but Mm -hmm. what we find is that the really local food people want to eat it in a local
1: way in the local way but then
2: what we've been able to do is to bring influences from different parts of africa And Mm. in that way, we can innovate.
1: Mm. So it's
2: easier to innovate with foods that people don't know so much and they're not accustomed to as well than Mm -hmm. to do so with food that they like to see in the traditional form. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, finding a way to innovate around jollof rice hasn't always been successful. So we Mm. can do jollof balls, we can do it in a certain
1: way, but people really Mm -hmm. want to
2: sit down and have a bowl of jollof
1: fries. They just want to eat their
2: jollof rice, right? They just want to eat. So Mm -hmm. so you'll find uh, that we can be nostalgic and that we can be innovative so we've had mm-hmm. to find a way to balance both growth mm-hmm. and tradition
1: mm-hmm. Tolo what has your experience been like but I think you you've managed to find a way to try to innovate around my life I'm correct so maybe touch a bit on how you've done that and what your experience has been like
0: So. I mean, Renny is very correct in the sense that we're very North people and restaurant. We were very clear on what we wanted to do, was that we wanted to sort of give Nigerian food a modern take. The truth of the matter is a lot of us who dine out at these restaurants travel around the world.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we see how the French cuisine, but more like the Italian cuisine, the Spanish mm-hmm. cuisine has evolved over the years. And mm-hmm. so what we try to do is make sure that the message is clear. You know, mm-hmm. in order to do that, you know, we have to interact with the guests and let them know what to expect. But at the same time, don't go too far away from it. So what we've done is been able to sort of strike a balance between giving people a sort of authentic taste with a mm-hmm. modern view, a uh, modern approach without mm-hmm. being too modern. But then we want to go extreme. So we want to go very modern. And so we offer you a chef tasting as well as an ala carte. So on the mm-hmm. ala carte menu, you would find Nigerian dishes that, yes, they have they have taken a modern approach towards the presentation mostly, but the taste mm-hmm. has been kept exactly the same. Mm-hmm. We do have the one-odd people who would come in and, and say, oh my God, you cut my amala into small pieces, am I a child? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, know? you know, but... But for the most part, people understand what we're trying to do and Mm -hmm. are able to sort of experience that and proud to bring other people to experience that. And Mm -hmm. then with the tasting menu, because it's a tasting menu and uh, people are educated, I think the key thing with sort of closing up that gap between Mm -hmm. innovation and authenticity is communication, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like the people who are dining, um, if they have a clear understanding on what you're trying to achieve, you know, with your taste and Presentation, they're a little more receptive. So, whenever Mm -hmm. we hear people say, Oh my God, you cut my amala into small pieces, it's usually somebody who didn't know the amala was going to come in in small (laughs) small pieces pieces. or didn't know this was an authentic exactly authentic the nigerian restaurant with a modern twist so <laughs> it, initially it was a little tough but i would say over the last two years it's gradually become a lot easier to to win people onto that side and like mm-hmm. i said we, we strike a balance by giving you an a la carte that is a little more traditional than mm-hmm. a tasting menu that is mm-hmm. completely modernist
1: so it sounds like you've really had to like identify your customer segments and like really drill down on your customer niche because obviously this experience can't really be for everyone so how has that experience been like for you really just like narrowing down on who I want to serve
0: Okay, so for me, I think the first thing was, you know, we grew into this organically, right? So we we started off as a creative firm Mm -hmm. and we're doing a lot of private dining. And Mm -hmm. so we just transitioned a lot of our customers who were always asking us to come to the house, to cook, to come into the restaurant. And Mm -hmm. from then on, word of mouth was Mm -hmm. our key marketing source. We Mm -hmm. we tried to stay away from doing anything on TV, radio, anything that would just sort of... Get people in that do not understand the brand or had not had any pre experience, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then at the same time, when we put out some content about like tasting menus, you'll find the, uh, people who have never experienced the brand before come in for a tasting menu and we just try our best to communicate what exactly to expect and just constantly, you know, just communicate, right? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's been the, the, the one thing that we've learned from this experience is to constantly mm-hmm. find ways to make our message clear you know mm-hmm. so people don't like, come in expecting to see you know the same thing you'll find in book
1: okay that's that's so interesting so to talk a bit more about what you've both been up to lately it will be really impossible to ignore the pandemic and its impact on the restaurants and hospitality industries especially during the lockdown periods reni we saw knock quickly pivot to a home delivery model what was your experience of trying to maintain your bottom line and also innovate your service delivery during the lockdown
2: yeah for me i saw it quickly it was important that during lockdown, we keep our customers happy. We keep our brand in view uh-huh. and we keep the experience similar to what it it was when we were not under lockdown. Uh-huh. So we changed very quickly, had a change in design of our assets and found a way to connect to our customers digitally, mostly by a mobile app. You understand. Uh-huh. And for us, because we changed so quickly, we, we we've we always had takeout, but not dedicated takeout like that. Uh-huh. I mean, you could uh-huh. have takeout from NOC. Mm-hmm. For us to try and sort of, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan usually of, of takeout of elegant food or food that you want to be presented in a certain way. So mm-hmm. this was out of our comfort zone. But mm-hmm. it was important for us to be agile at this time mm-hmm. and to keep, mm-hmm. keep our customers happy. So mm-hmm. we chose the dishes that would be sort of available for takeout. We wanted complete control of the process. My vision is very much experiential. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite immersive. It's all about mm-hmm. lifestyle. It's all about experiences. And it's all about luxury. So we uh-huh. wanted to keep the same feel that you uh-huh. have from going to Knock, just offline. Uh-huh. So we stayed connected with, with our customers and kept that going. So basically uh-huh. that part of it was easy. The process was easier if, as long as we wanted control and we could uh-huh. have control. Managing the food was a little bit more challenging, but we could do that in choosing the kind of food that was available for takeout. Yeah. So for me, it was, I, I didn't see any other way. Uh-huh. First of all, keep my customer happy and satisfied. And keep ourselves in view to keep us going and to keep our staff in sort of being paid and we had to change very quickly we we believe that we are the kind of uh, brand that's quite agile we're Mm -hmm. very much customer oriented and so Mm -hmm. for us it was a switch that was as necessary as it was
1: timely Mm -hmm. that's really interesting tolu disruption provides a time for smaller players to seize previously unseen opportunities When you think about the restaurant industry more widely, where do you see new opportunities being created in the pandemic and then post-COVID?
0: Okay, so this for me is a major point in the sense that COVID changed the landscape of my business dramatically. Hmm. We never did any takeout before COVID. We were Mm -hmm. strictly a dine-in restaurant. And when COVID happened, we were very ahead of the curve and converted immediately into takeout. To do that, we had sort of like a week or two of planning because we had been seeing what was happening in the western part of the world where Mm -hmm. COVID was related. And we were sort of how would I put it? We just accepted the fact that it was going to get here at some point. And so mm-hmm. we started monitoring what other restaurants were doing. Like Renny had said, especially with experiential dining, it's very difficult for you to put everything that you would do in, in a restaurant, you know, in a pack, you know, have it mm-hmm. delivered. There's some things like my dambunama rooms, for example, mm-hmm. which hit in the restaurant that, couldn't be put in a pack because Mm. by the time it gets to you it would lose its crunch right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. secret tempura had to get dropped off as well Mm. you know so certain things like that but once we had sort of honed down on the menu that could travel we immediately went out on on social media and announced the fact that we had the service available and we also found an opportunity within to help our community so Mm -hmm. what we have done also was to create a relief fund to to be able to support the the amount of people that we were going to sort of put on furlough during Mm -hmm. the the lockdown and to also support um, our local communities um, and just a little bit for the frontline workers. That was quite key for us, but what that had done was had given us a certain level of corporate social responsibility that mm. the consumer responded to positively by mm. even sharing the content with other people, mm. you know, and that for us was some sort of learning in the sense that there is good in doing good and so right. it has become a part of our business model to always Mm. constantly give back. So that's one Mm. part, right? Um, The second part was the fact that we had started a delivery business that we didn't have before. And so we had gone online with a website, you know, we had created a great, platform on whatsapp for ordering and and keeping the process you know quite smooth you know Mm -hmm. and so today post covid well i mean it's still covid but post lockdown (laughs) right Mm -hmm. we are still delivering the kind of numbers we're delivering during lockdown and then the restaurant has come back and so i would say that you know our sales are higher than they were before covid right Mm -hmm. and thirdly should i say fourthly now is A new brand, Fresh Prep, that came out of COVID as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we noticed that a lot of people were at home. I was one of those people who who was at home. And I'm used to working in the kitchen with 10, 12 chefs who have done all the prep work, right? Mm -hmm. And now I have to be at home with no help. And I have to cut all the onions myself. And I'm just like, ain't nobody got time for this. (laughs) You know, so many so what I was, what I ended up doing was I would call my restaurant or ask my chefs in my restaurant to prep a bunch of things for me, right? Mm-hmm. Almost like I was ordering. So they would they would season my chicken. They would mm-hmm. do all the like things that I need to be done. They would bring my ginger, like my garlic, my onions. All of that was already done and sent to mm-hmm. me. And we thought mm-hmm. we could why why don't we make this available to to the to consumer, everyone, right. you know, to everyone and so we launched a brand called fresh prep that pretty much you know bridges the gap between shopping and cooking in the sense that we're able to marinate your proteins um, so your proteins come marinated Basic marination, mm-hmm. so it allows for application of extra flavors, which will also give mm-hmm. you those extra flavors like the barbecue sauce, the mm-hmm. pepper sauce, the mm-hmm. wasabi sauce, the mm-hmm. stew base that you can use to coat the chicken. So the chicken mm-hmm. is already marinated with basic aromatics that you can throw into the oven, and we're talking chicken, lamb, pork, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pre-cut vegetables ready to do a fried rice. All of us mm-hmm. like fried rice, but to sit down and cut that. But we don't chicken,
1: like cutting those vegetables. You know.
0: <laughs> you know exactly so the vegetables are pre-cut you know even for grilling you have the vegetables cut and then there's also spices and oils and also very importantly is the recipe kit which gives you all the ingredients you need right to make mm-hmm. a recipe I'm sure you've seen this around yes. in different parts of the world this has become a trend right now mm-hmm. right everyone mm-hmm. is buying recipes in a box mm-hmm. and having it like ready to go then there's also the fact that we we released the dinner in a box because we got i got to a point where um i was getting bored of um the casual dining i was getting in my takeout packs and i wanted to be able to still do my tasting menu you know but following covid standards right so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we found a way to plate our tasting menu in a nice hard quality box that almost mm-hmm. looks like a like a Hermes shoe box right it's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. nice spread out seven courses you get the menu in there there is mm-hmm. even a barcode that you scan and you'd see a presentation by me telling you oh, wow. what, how, what each course is right so you get oh, wow. a very similar experience to mm-hmm. dialing in the restaurant you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that has also helped us so by time the combination of all of that has has definitely changed the landscape of my business
1: mm. Oh, that's, I feel like you've you've mentioned so many interesting things. I like the idea of corporate social responsibility being a way to build your brand to gain new customers. I personally love Fresh Pepper Eros. I use it all the time because I'm lazy and I don't like to cook. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you've, and then of course, like innovating around the delivery service as well, I think you've, you've kind of, you've touched on really, really interesting points that I think um, our listeners will find useful. So you've both kind of talked about how you know the the importance of the experience is for you in your restaurants and for your customers. So you're not just focused on the food and the drink, you're really trying to take the time to provide a unique and memorable experience for your customers would you say that this idea of a differentiated customer experience is key to your business models and how have you been able to successfully implement this business model in a market like nigeria that's so price sensitive do you think that having this additional experiential value allows you to charge a higher premium to your customers Rani, I'll, I'll allow you start here
2: the whole um, idea of Alara is to expose and elevate Africanness. To unlike previously, where people didn't value what was African, especially in the modern world, uh-huh. they didn't have a contemporary um, approach to all things African. So it was always important that we had an immersive experience uh-huh. whereby when you came in, you understood by being there. That we were creating something that perhaps you hadn't experienced before, but which you should experience uh-huh. in order to be able to understand the value of what our Africanness can bring to the table. So that's what we're all about. That's why we have a very immersive experience, because we are deliberately trying to elevate the idea of being an African in uh-huh. a contemporary world. Uh-huh. However, it's like you say, it's a very price sensitive market. Uh-huh. Um, the fact is that a lot of times the, the food is familiar uh-huh. to the customer uh-huh. um, and therefore they have an idea of how much it should cost right. um, because it's familiar. Uh, Mm And so whatever you're doing to innovate, whatever way you're trying to to, to add to the conversation, you have people saying, is it not just (laughs) be? You know? I mean, you know what I mean. So it's like, is it not just be? And so so in that sense, much as we want to make it more elegant, we want to make it more experiential, we have to be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is that, yes, and everybody that comes to Alara imagines that, oh my God, is going to be like unapproachable. It's going to be super expensive. I mean, mm. look at the place. You mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So for us, I don't think that we're able to charge a premium as such. Mm. But what mm. we've done is that we we have uh, two approaches in our restaurant. We have the, the proper restaurant and then we have the garden grill. Okay. That is literally a very accessible prime, price point with very simple mm. foods that people have find a little more accessible. For us, because we're luxury... You also know that you attract a different kind of customer naturally.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of like uh, more mature, uh, more established and more used luxury. But we're mm-hmm. also a creative brand and we mm-hmm. want to encourage youth and we want to encourage sort of uh, creativity and empowerment of the youth. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was important that there was an accessible aspect of our vision mm-hmm. that they could come and buy into and mm-hmm. then slowly find their way into the into the. the part mm. of our business Mm-mm. so for us knock and its garden be- had to be that so right. um, I think I think the garden more so than knock but then the garden being the first step into the Alara vision um, right. and then the knock restaurant and then the store So for us it was always going to be um, a process like that because we wanted to be inclusive. Hmm. and our vision is kind of more is something that resonates more with the younger people who have uh, more pride in their africanness than mm-hmm. my generation mm-hmm. uh, and so we had to find a way to include them and for us the knock and its garden as well as events and a lot of things that we do to uh, make our, our vision a little bit more inclusive
1: That's so, I actually never thought about it that way, like uh, with the garden being sort of the entry point into the brand as a whole and then like sort of working your way up into the vision. I I think that's so brilliant. I don't think I've ever, I've ever thought about it that way. That's so brilliant. Tolu, is this, do you have a different approach to this? Are you able to charge premium or do you find that your experience
0: is the same as Rennie's? Okay, so... How do I answer this? We we definitely have a certain level of differentiation going on. Um, when you come to your layouts and you scan the menu, you would see a variety of menu options to give you certain level of experiences some more than others you have to make um, a proper pre-reservation right Mm -hmm. so with uh, tapas the tapas menu allows you to have a taste of so many different things in one sitting at a really low price you know Mm -hmm. price entry points of as low as 2k right Mm -hmm. allowing you to have like a nice taster right into the a la carte which is a little more robust but what Mm -hmm. we've done is balanced it out with quantity so Mm -hmm. we give you what what we call value for your money so Mm -hmm. in most cases Cases, people were taking a little bit of that away. We found mm-hmm. a way to still keep. And that's one thing that I, I feel like we struggled with at the beginning was how do we give you quantity, you know, without losing the essence of the fact that it's supposed to be a modern take to it, right? Mm-hmm. What we found was during our journey is that we started to go more rustic, more local with our plating. Mm-hmm. We found mm-hmm. that the Large clay plates, for example, allowed us to put more volume in terms of kg of rice mm. in a bowl than mm. flat white plates would have allowed us to do, mm. right? Mm. Um, and so that's what we did with the a la carte. So if you're buying an a la carte meal for a 6k, for example, you're getting a very decent sized portion. But so I the also customer doesn't feel I'm bad, really bad about paying the, the 6k exactly
2: hmm.
0: yeah but then the space already commands a certain level of respect that once you come in you already know that you're not going to you're not you're not coming to book so you're not going to be spending like okay. like you're not going to be spending 1k on 1000 on a meal right mm-hmm. um and then we go up a set an extra level and give you a fine dining tasting experience where mm-hmm. you're charged a little more for smaller portions but you're getting a Fuller experience, you know, Mm -hmm. where you you get to meet the chef, you know, the chef takes you on a culinary expedition telling you the journey, tells you basically how the meal was curated, Mm -hmm. what to expect in terms Mm -hmm. of flavor, Mm -hmm. you know, and all of that. So I I guess that way we're able to sort of separate the market and for us, you know, there's also the chef's corner that is a little more private than the restaurant, which is a little more private than the garden, you know, which is a little more open. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. I like the idea of even within one restaurant, sort of creating different experiences and different price points for um, different customer segments. I think that's really cool. So to a large extent, aggregator platforms like Uber Eats, Postmates in the US, Deliveroo in Europe, or Jumia Food in Nigeria have kind of changed the restaurant industry. With Knock, um, Renny, I know you mentioned earlier that having control of service delivery from food preparation to delivery is super important to you. Do you think that restaurants actually lose out from the growth of these aggregator platforms in terms of them losing that customer experience bit? What what do you think about that?
2: I mean, I'm not sure, but I know what's good for us. I think mm. in term what I what I think is that it has become expensive on these platforms. You find that a lot of your profits are taken away by your delivery service. And I think that the, you're supposed to get from them, of course, is a bigger platform, mm-hmm. sort of access to more, more customers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the sort of functioning of a tech service. You know, mm-hmm. th- these are things that, yes, you will get. But I think that, especially in the COVID era, COVID times, um, restaurants cannot afford uh, to give up the percentage of their, right. of their sales mm-hmm. to, to a lot of these mm-hmm. platforms. So I think that in the end, you are spending too much money. You're losing too much money mm-hmm, on them. Mm-hmm. And for me, the balance of controlling your, the experience as well as saving some money mm-hmm. is more important. And, and we can find different other ways to uh, sure. reach our, our, right. our customer base and find different ways to grow, mm-hmm. which we have to anyway. Because if you look like a, at a city like Lagos, at the end of the day, from NOC, we can, NOC in Victoria Island, we can service a certain parameter we cannot go to Ikeja, for mm-hmm. instance yeah. so for us we we have to find a way uh to start with ghost kitchens and finding a way to have mini kitchens in other mm-hmm. areas mm-hmm. to be able to to circulate the whole of Lagos. so it wouldn't mm-hmm. be from one knock itself um, that we will now be sort of serving our take mm-hmm. our customers
1: Okay, so alternative dining models such as pop-up restaurants, private chef catering, I know Tolu you touched on this earlier, and food fairs have proven to be successful in Lagos where the costs and risk of opening a new restaurant might be too high for some people. As someone who describes himself as an entrepreneur with a focus on food, Tolu, are there other models that you see being particularly well adapted to the Lagos business environment?
0: First of all, I'd like to say that there aren't enough pop-ups going on to start with. Okay. And exhibitions, food exhibitions. You, you get one odd, two odd good ones mm-hmm. a year. This year not being counted mm-hmm. because of COVID, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like there needs to be a little more. The one avenue that I would say, and something that I've been looking at for a few years, and I'm hoping to get around to doing it soon, uh, if not somebody else does it soon, is food halls. I want to be able to go into from different from different vendors. So yeah, food hall will be definitely a an opportunity that that hasn't really been tapped into. We don't get a lot of street markets. I'm not entirely sure if it's because of the weather or mm. whether because like. I mean, I don't know what it is. But uh, you know how on Saturday you can go to St. St. St- street food markets in, mm-hmm. in the UK and, and grab breakfast, lunch and mm-hmm. dinner literally on the fly. You're going stand to stand to stand to stand. Mm-hmm. I feel like that there's definitely a gap there. And then just the general idea of pop-up kitchen so we don't mm-hmm. have one thing that isn't available is commissaries right you can't just rent a kitchen and do a pop-up or a space then as a chef and before I had my restaurant it would have been nice for me to be able to rent a space that will had a decent-sized professional kitchen along mm. with a dining room that I can mm. host guests even if it's mm. just 20 people Even if there is, they're not doing a good enough job at communicating to the market. The target audience are chefs for someone like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a lot of room for food real estate. Oh, well,
1: that's... It seems like there's a lot of opportunities um, for people to take advantage of. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I agree with Tolu, especially relating to the idea that there should be some kitchens because there's a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of times, you're... You can have the talent, but you don't have access to a kitchen or you don't have access to the funds for for a restaurant. In order to get your name out there, you need a platform of some sort and you need Mm. to be able to cook and serve people regularly, at least to a certain extent. And it should not be that complicated to be able to Mm. rent a kitchen and do what you are able to do. And I think that for our industry, if we want our industry to develop and for a lot more to come up, this model is very, very important because it means that you don't have to have a big amount of funds to be able to, to have to open a restaurant Because you, before you can express your skills and show people what you can do. And so that we will have a way for, for, for chefs to grow and for the industry to become a lot stronger.
1: No, that's that's really interesting. That's, that's so cool. Maybe I, I need to steal some of these business ideas. <laughs> With both um knock and Ileros currently catering to higher dining experience, I think we've already touched a bit on this earlier. Tolu, you've talked about fresh prep by Eros, um, sort of filling this gap around menu innovation for people to prepare meals that are quicker and slightly cheaper maybe than going into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Renny, I'd love to get your thoughts around this. Well, what areas do you see for innovation around quicker and cheaper meals for your customers?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm here sitting down, I'm looking at, uh, of Tolu I'm thinking oh my god how can he do all this stuff I don't have the bandwidth um, in the sense that it's 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 really it's really challenging because it's it's a young industry it's an industry that sort of requires a lot um of development now it needs to grow in a certain way we need to perfect so many things that Mm -hmm. I am not as brave as Tolu yet but do (laughs) admire what he's doing I think (laughs) like I said I really want to I want us to talk about your bandwidth But I think what he's doing is quite remarkable. I think it's important to be able to do the fresh produce. But for Christmas, we are thinking of doing the same thing, but we're doing it around like one turkey and a few dishes. Right? I'm not doing it on a (laughs) daily basis. (laughs) So I'm not yet. Um, But I, but I do think that's the future. I think that's the direction. I think, and, and it's a good way to again to utilize a lot of the skills that we have in our industry that are not properly used at the moment so you have a lot of skills a lot of really committed sort of very very qualified people who don't have so we are looking for people we're always looking for people we have to do a lot of the things that we could be doing mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist so mm-hmm. things get a bit more complicated especially mm-hmm. to want something perfect before you move on to the other thing right. but we are moving in the direction of fresh foods I think again having a small ghost kitchen in different parts of, of the city is helping for us to spread the knock idea to a wider range of people rather than people that are just on the island because there are very very many areas that uh, we could benefit from Mm. yes what else did i want to speak about yeah just take away fresh foods uh cook at home you know a lot of what Tolu is already doing (laughs) is what i think the future Mm -hmm. is what i think the future the future is
1: So yay, Tolu, for being the um, first mover in this market. I hope it pays off for you. I hope so, too. (laughs) So we're going to switch gears and talk about technologies a little bit. So, Rennie, with NOC being so interested in overseeing the end-to-end customer experience, in what ways do you see technologies really helping you to achieve this vision? Um, Do you think it's an app, or do you think there are other technologies that you're looking at right now that might help you really perfect that customer experience i guess post-covid
2: yeah i mean at the moment it's it's mostly mobile a little bit of social media we're able to sort of uh, get analytics that a little bit from both mm-hmm. the mobile as well as media i do think we do need an app i think an app will be convenient it will raise our brand awareness It will reach mm-hmm. a bigger audience we'll mm-hmm. be able to tailor customers experiences directly based on their history Mm -hmm. we can offer them space that are special there's we can move on to loyalty programs Mm -hmm. there's so much you know there's so much that the app will give you Mm -hmm. and we have a young clientele a young clientele really the ones that we should be having the app for Mm -hmm. they 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 connect that idea of the app and that's how they live so we are working on a knock app it should be out soon we've been working on it actually since lockdown which doesn't make sense but yeah um we, we are working on it at the moment, and I think uh, even in terms of ordering, we uh, mm-hmm. can order straight from the app. There's so many things that it allows you to do, mm-hmm. especially when everybody is quite conscious of, of catching COVID and all that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We're, we're moving in that direction. I think mm-hmm. um, better social media sort of connection, mm-hmm. finding a way to have uh, software that allows us better anal- analytics. At the moment, mm-hmm. we have. We have newsletters, you know, we can tell what people have clicked on, what people's preferences are, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things are, mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. already helping us to a certain point in sort of analyzing customer experience mm-hmm. and more customer driven experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the moment, yes, I think an app will be interesting. We're already on digital. We're already quite um, agile on a mobile app. Uh, yeah, basically mm-hmm. those are the, the things that I... Th- think that we're missing at the moment yeah so if we can if we can launch our app if we can have better analytics from Mm -hmm. social media and from sort of newsletters, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, I think it would help us a Mm -hmm. lot more.
1: That's Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So Tolu, for someone like you that has, I guess, different brands and different touch points that you could potentially interact with your customers, I wonder if you're doing anything to track that data across the different sort of touch points and if you're using that to change how you maybe approach your menu design or how you deliver service to your customers so i'll give an example i maybe i've been to the restaurant a few times i've ordered from fresh Pepper a few times you are you tracking that data anyhow and then seeing how you can better provide a service to me for example
0: okay so um <laughs> I agree in the sense that, like, an app will be a great approach um, because it, it gives us a 360 view, everything is in one place. But pending when that happens, and just like Renny, we've been working on one since the beginning of lockdown. As a matter <laughs> of fact, when she mentioned it, I almost picked up my phone to call the guy, like, call my <laughs> Where's my app? Oh, Where's <laughs> oh, my app? What's going on? uh but uh, but in the absence of that we're using a mix of different things so we utilize a reservation software to manage reservations and we ensure that everyone who dines in the restaurant and i'm sure um, you've also had to go through that process is registered Mm -hmm. just so that we can keep that data uh tables when you're done dining you're able to scan a barcode and give us some feedback so we can get Mm -hmm. some information that way on social media Uh, We have community managers who are tracking information. I can't understand the (laughs) analytics, to give it to me in layman terms. Unfortunately, I'm not very techy, so they give it to me in layman terms and I'm able to understand what exactly it is that the consumer is looking for. They're able to analyze the information and put them into categories of, you know, green and yellow and red when depending on feedback, you know, (laughs) it will be great to soon be able to shop on Instagram like you can do in the West. You know, especially mm-hmm. with, a, with, with a brand like Cookie Jar, which is our break bakery um, mm-hmm. that's currently undergoing a complete, like, um, rebrand. And mm-hmm. as the brand unveils, it will be nice to be able to put a shop on on Instagram where you can literally just order, or, order the cake directly. But in mm-hmm. the absence of that, we have a website, you know, where you can go and order at the moment. And I'm sure you've used the website for ordering fresh prep. And the website is getting smarter over time. With certain algorithms being installed, and at some point we'd be able to get get some more information as to where our customers are, what they're Mm -hmm. buying, you -hmm. know, and the general customer experience. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that an app that can do all of this in one place uh, Mm -hmm. would be great, especially if the other value adds like like knowledge sharing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well that's yeah, that's fantastic. We're we we as a customer, we're really looking forward to that and. I hope that before the end of this year, you get your apps <laughs> ready. We're going to switch gears a bit and just switch to the fun part. So I'll start with you, Renny. What was the last prediction that you got wrong?
2: Oh, Actually, there's a major one, I have to say. And it's very interesting and it really revolves around Abula again. I thought that Abula would be fine as a special as, you know, just people will want want it for a while. So we have sort of some nostalgic dishes that we just bring for a while and take away. Mm -hmm. I was sure that we only needed to bring it for a month and that people wouldn't really care because they'll have it for a month and they would be wanting to eat all the other elegant dishes on our menu. I worked with my daughter who was like, no, mom, this is not going to work. But I was sure that people didn't (laughs) want Abula on an everyday basis. But the fact is people want to eat abula every single day when we first started we did it as a monthly thing and then we stopped and then we started on thursdays only thursdays hmm? and mm-hmm. now we have abula every single day we are open
0: and I to it remains our best
1: seller
2: so I, um, I was wrong to think i could bring it a little bit and take it away it didn't work as a special
1: yeah, I agree with you. I only, I'm lot at NOC, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what day of the week, I'm there, that's what <laughs> I'm eating. Yeah, Tolu, so, have you got any predictions wrong lately?
0: That people wouldn't want to dine out on Mondays, and uh, <laughs> so we thought, we thought Monday would be a great idea to close, and then we realized that every Monday we're getting bombarded with calls, and so i would have to open on mondays even if it's uh, just for delivery
1: oh wow that's interesting so what's one view you seem to find very few people agree with you on totally you can go first on this one
0: one view i seem to find very few people agree with me on yes i'm looking around like
1: um what is that unless you're just like an agreeable person and
0: that's cool too I can't, there's nothing that jumps out that I feel like uh, people haven't, like, agreed with me on, per se. All right. Um,
1: That's okay. Renny, do you have any? I do. Great. Tell me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Africa's developmental change will be via creativity and its creative arts.
1: Mm, That's a really good one. That's a really good one. And it's actually really closely linked to my next question which is from our previous guest, Ojama Ochai from British Council, who has a question for you both. She would like to know how the narratives or perceptions of Nigeria shape the international appeal of Nigerian foods and what it means for the potential global appeal that Nigerian food can have, and maybe more broadly, African food. So Reni, you can just take that.
2: So yeah, it's links to what I said before. Mm-hmm and that our creativity will be our uh, path to freedom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as they say. What I mean is that we have tapped into an area that before now, we didn't feel confident enough to, and that is the creative arts. Mm In all fields of creativity, visual Mm -hmm. arts, design, you know, the whole gambit of it. Right. And it's become very interesting because the generation stepping out now as the creatives to to be reckoned with are very able to connect with the rest of the world because Mm -hmm. they're on social media and Mm -hmm. it's a a different world so Mm -hmm. every creative in our environment is already playing a part in the global world and the global Mm -hmm. discussion in Mm -hmm. various aspects and I think it will be the same with food and Mm -hmm. because of the easy connection we're getting a lot of attention and a lot of respect Mm -hmm. for our creativity also, trends come in waves. Mm-hmm. And people love trends, just as yes. food trends. Yeah. Uh, food trends come and go. Just like you know the Asian world have had this, we will have ours. We will have it in food, we will have it in fashion, we will have it in different aspects of, mm-hmm. of the creative world. And I think that as that time is coming, uh, we, we have the audience and therefore we have the platform for uh, recognition and appreciation. So like I did say, it is our creativity that will be the most important aspect of our developmental change. And I think she has asked the right question for me because it's made my
1: day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she made my day. <laughs> Love
0: that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's creativity, I just want to that, um, just add to that to say that I'm living witness of this. So, a few years ago, about two, th- three years ago, I started doing a tour of different countries, taking Nigerian food to them, right? and the one thing that i always say about nigerian food is that our food is full of flavor Mm. right and the moment we start to present it differently we would be one of the best when it comes to you know taste right Mm -hmm. and every time that i have done a tour the feedback has been remarkable so mm-hmm. much so that i actually even end up doing more than i expect so i mm-hmm. expect to do three stops and every single mm-hmm. time it gets doubled up to six right mm-hmm. um wow. just a few months ago i was in dubai and i had a, a tasting for a group of 20 people and following from that i got offered a residency at one of the largest hotels uh, the uh, oh fancy uh, what's it called okay. The best hotels in Dubai, you know, and I've been called back to do another event just like that. Um, mm. And these are for people who had never tasted Nigerian food, but already had that impression from what mm. they had seen already. You know, mm. you're going to a, a standard Nigerian restaurant that's doing it the old way, you know, and the food just looks like a lot. It looks like a, a, a like a. A, I don't want to use the word a mess, but mm. literally, it, you're not, it's not something that is visually appealing. And people eat with their eyes first; we forget, right? right, and, right. and I think it's time—it's time for that innovation. And you can see it already happening. There's a huge mm-hmm. wave of creatives and chefs in the country who are presenting Nigerian food differently,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And, mm-hmm. and the moment people are tasting it, t- just the taste is so. It's so overwhelmingly good that mm-hmm. you have no other choice but to tell other people about it. Mm. And it's just going to keep like growing and expanding from there.
1: Right. Fantastic. I look forward to the day that like we can go into like other cities and find proper, nice Nigerian restaurants to eat that would be very exciting. Okay, so thank you so, 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 so much Tolu and Reni for taking time out to chat with today. I hope that you've enjoyed your time with us. Um, I've really enjoyed learning about like the restaurant industry from you guys today and I hope that you've enjoyed speaking with us. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having us.
2: Thank you for having us, Tolu and them.
0: Right. Thank you. Awesome.